0: What's up, folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, John Hutzpeth, and I am so glad that you are with us today. We have a great show lined up. I recently got back from Colorado. My wife and I planned a last-minute trip, and when I say last-minute, I think we planned it like four days before we left. And so, yeah, super last-minute. But we had a really good time. We enjoyed the cooler weather. Uh, We ended up going to Colorado Springs and, like, in the actual town, it wasn't that much cooler, honestly, than here. It was like still low 90s or something. But as you know, like, it's a different kind of heat. But we also, like, we went up into the mountains quite a bit and we actually ended up driving to the top of Pikes Peak, which was really cool 14,115 feet, something like that. And I kid you not, we're up there. Some weather was moving in. We were kind of getting a little nervous trying to figure out if we should, you know, go back down or not, and it ended up not getting too bad, but uh, I started feeling a few drops, and some of those drops actually turned into snowflakes, and so it was, uh, I guess it was late July at that point, and uh, and we had a few snowflakes, so I'm sitting there in my t-shirt and shorts just soaking it in, like, I was like, yes, this is what I've been needing. This is why we came. So yeah, so that was a great trip. Uh, we were only there two days, really. We uh, we flew out, when did we fly out? We flew out Thursday and came home Sunday. So we had a full two days there. For the first time ever, uh, I missed a flight. We both did. Uh, the, the Denver airport was absolutely insane. Security was crazy. We ended up uh, missing our flight by like four minutes. Uh, so they put us on standby. Luckily, there was another plane like 45 minutes later, something like that. And so we're waiting and uh, they start boarding the plane. We don't know if we're on or not yet. And the lady calls me up to the counter and she says, we have one seat. Well, it was my wife and I and our baby. And she was still like riding on our laps. And so she's like, I think your wife and child should go ahead and get on the plane. And so I called my wife over. We talked about it. We decided, yes, she should go ahead because we we checked our bag with like all of our baby's stuff and so all we had was, like, what was in the diaper bag. We had, like, three diapers and, like, a little bit of formula and two pouches. And so we, just, we didn't have enough, you know, if we had to stay overnight, which is kind of how it was looking. And so so my wife goes ahead and she gets a ticket. She gets in line. And the lady told me, she's like, hey, like, the next ticket is yours. Just, you know, stick around, stay close. I was like, all right. So they call, you know, group number five, number six, number seven, number eight, number nine, all the way. So, the, like, the entire plane... Is loaded now, and I'm just looking around, and I'm like, gosh, like, I'm not getting on. So I'm like, is there any other, like, there? I could basically sit at the airport all day trying to get on and stand by. The next flight they had available wasn't until the next morning. I was like, I hate Denver. My truck got stolen. I don't want to stay here. Um, and so I'm sitting there, and the lady picks up the microphone, and she's like, last call for passengers, you know, such and such and such and such. And, like, my heart started beating. I was like, oh, somebody didn't show up. So I'm sitting there. I'm looking around. There's other standby passengers. We're all kind of looking at each other like who's up. And uh, the lady, she didn't call my name. She just looked at me and kind of like, you know, gave me the little come here finger. And I walked up there and she slid me a ticket. And so I purposely turned away from all the other people who were waiting and just jumped on the plane. So we ended up getting to come home only about 45 minutes late, so luckily not too bad. Um, we didn't get to sit next to each other, obviously, but once the plane got up and uh, the the seatbelt signs went off, the guy who was sitting next to my wife, he, you know, had figured out what was going on, and he came back and switched seats with me, so we ended up getting to kind of finish the flight together. So all that to say, it ended up, for, for what happened, it really ended up working out about as good as it could, and so that was super good, so we had a great time. So, yeah, that was last weekend. This coming weekend, I am going to run out to the ranch real quick. Uh, my wife and daughter are going out of town. She's had, She has a girls weekend. She's going to take my daughter. And so, unfortunately, I have a couple uh, commitments this weekend. So, I can't go for the whole weekend like I really wanted to. But I am going to run out there. A good buddy of mine is letting me borrow a uh, an ATV this fall uh, after you know mine got stolen last year. And so, he's really, really helping me out. So, I'm going to go pick it up. Run it out to the ranch. And then, really, the main reason go, I'm going is to get all my stuff gathered for my Nebraska trip because, guys, I leave in like three and a half weeks or something like that, which is absolutely insane. Um, but just kind of after last season, you know, again, I feel like I don't know why it keeps coming up in this episode, but. You know, most of my gear got stolen on my elk hunt last year, and so I had bought uh, a bunch of new gear at the end of the year. Uh, First Light was huge, came through, and they actually ended up sending me quite a bit. Um, But I just haven't really used any of my stuff because deer season was just about over. And so I'm just going to go up there, kind of lay everything out on the floor, figure out what I have, what I don't have, you know, if I need to order anything like that. Um, I need to get my the, the pack that I normally carry my stand on. It got stolen, so i got to figure out if I have any backpacks that will work to carry my stand and sticks when I'm doing the mobile hunting thing. Um, also, a, a good buddy of mine, Charles, he's uh, been on the show I think twice now. Uh, he reached out to me because he heard my debacle with the saddle, how I decided not to buy one. He said, hey, man, just take mine. And so uh, We're going to meet up. He's going to give me his saddle or loan me his saddle, I should say. Uh, So I have, you know, a couple weeks to practice with it, get in the tree, shoot with it, everything like that. And again, I'm not sure I'm going to take it. I I should have enough time to to get comfortable with it and everything if I really focus on it. Uh, But I'm going to take it no matter what. And just if the situation calls for it, I'll use it. If I can get by using the stand that I'm more comfortable with, I'll use that. But, you know, just the more options I have, the better I feel like. And so, yeah, so I'm going to go go through all my gear, get all my gear situated, get my stand situated, figure out how I'm going to pack everything in. Uh, I'm going to grab the saddle over the weekend, start climbing in some trees with it, shooting with it, all that good stuff. And guys, like I said, uh, when this show drops, I'll be headed to Nebraska like three stinking weeks later. And so very, very excited. Um, I really like I. Uh, my focus is more on, like, getting ready for the trip. I, I really haven't done that much scouting because, honestly, I, like, I feel pretty good. Like, I went up there this spring, uh, you know, kind of used turkey hunting as an excuse to go up there and do do some deer scouting. And so, like, I have specific trees marked. I have crops marked, like, what the crops are going to be. Um, and so I, I just feel, like, pretty darn prepared. I have three cameras soaking. And so... Uh, I'm, I'm taking off work the day before the season starts. So I'll drive up there. All things go as planned. I should like be there before opening day actually, which is, you know, changed from last year. So I I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I just feel pretty good about where I'm at, uh, for this trip. So, so yeah, anyway, going to get the ATV up there, going to get all my gear. Um, if I can run around and put out, I still have like two more cameras I can put out if I can get those out. Great. But, uh, if not, not that big a deal. So, so yeah, guys, like I keep saying, it's coming. I hope y'all are prepared. I hope y'all been shooting your bows, uh, getting your muzzle loaders ready, getting all your gear tucked away and stuff like I probably should have already had done by this point uh, because it's, it's just about here. Uh, I do have another weekend. I think the following weekend, I've already talked to my wife and I'm pretty sure I get to go the whole weekend that weekend. So that'll be my kind of final touches weekend. You know, I keep talking about how I need to level some blinds and replace some tree steps, straps, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. So I'll get that done. Um, if any inkling of rain is in the forecla- forecast, I might throw out a little bit of fall season seed. Uh, I just don't, It's been so stinking hot and dry the last few weeks. And every day when I check the weather, it's the next day is just the same old thing. Another like 105 degree day with no rain. And so, not sure I'm going to do any of that uh, next weekend, but we'll figure out when that time comes. So, so yeah, that's what uh, that's what's been going on with me. We have a great episode today. Um, I had never met this guy. Uh, basically, how this kind of got set up was throughout the fall. Uh, just when I'm going through social media, if I see somebody from Oklahoma who you know shot something interesting or a big deer or whatever, I'll just kind of screenshot it if you know, if the name is on there. And uh, every now and again, I was kind of scroll through my phone and that's how I got hooked up with Trevor. And so I reached out to him this week. He said he was welcome or willing to come on. Uh, come to find out he is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, God, man, I cannot talk today. I apologize. He is a wealth of knowledge. And so we talk white tails, And believe it or not, he has a sweet little Elk hunting spot in Oklahoma, and so he gets to consistently hunt elk in Oklahoma. So we spend a, a good amount of time talking about that, and he knows how fortunate he is. And he is also a part of the My World Outdoors team, and so he uh, does a lot of filming there on the Outdoor Channel. And so, like I said, kind of just got super lucky uh, with Trevor here, and so we have a great episode. He's a southwestern Oklahoma guy, so that's also cool because I love talking to people from other parts of the state. Um, one of the big things that we talked about was just kind of uh, how deer where I am tend to disperse a lot, like have different home ranges, like a summer range and a fall range. And he talks about where he's at. He doesn't really see that. Like he, if he's, you know, glassing deer in the summer, there's a good chance that deer is still going to be there when hunting season rolls around. So we talk about that because that's something that's just very, very different even though we're in the same state. So, so yeah, I don't want to give the, away the entire episode like I feel like I just did. So that's what we have coming up this week. Huge shout-out for to Trevor for coming on. We're going to hear a quick word from our partners. I'll quit talking because apparently I can't do that this week, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. So we're going to hear a quick word from our partners, and I'll get to the episode right after this. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection hey everybody welcome to today's show and today we're welcoming in trevor johnson how you doing trevor
1: i'm doing good john how are you doing
0: oh i'm doing pretty good man uh man how are things going with you it's been uh it's it's been stupid hot lately i'm sure it's you know hot where you are also y'all getting burned up
1: yeah it's 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 ridiculous over here we're uh and the rams running all day and it's just miserable trying to Mm -hmm. work out there and got to do everything early in the morning and late in the evening just kind of stay away out of the heat
0: yeah that's right that's right man well cool we have all kinds of stuff to talk about today i'm really excited about this uh but real quick before we get into all that why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself
1: all right uh my name is trevor johnson i live down in southwest oklahoma uh married to my wife kaylin and uh, we have two beautiful girls uh baylor she's five and piper just turned one Mm -hmm. and uh I work here on the family farm. I'll be like the fourth generation. We uh raise uh club lambs is our main thing. We have about six hundred head of ewes and uh run a few cows and farm some wheat and some Milo and that's about it. Pretty simple.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Yep.
1: Yeah. My uh my little
0: girl just turned one as well, my only one. There you go. And so my hunting seasons have changed a little bit here oh, as yeah. of late. I'm sure you're I'm sure you're well used to that. So Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, I had my first daughter on the opening day of rifle season, so Uh, that that wasn't real smart of me.
0: (laughs) Yep, yep. My wife and I are always joking back and forth. Every time we start talking about having a you know another kid, the timing is very <laughs> important to me. Much more oh, yeah. so than her. You got to plan it out exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know but, priorities, but, but yeah, yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, just so the listeners know, basically how I got hooked up with you, I don't even know if I told you this. Uh, I saw a picture of you on Oklahoma Bunner. Oh man, I can't talk today. Oklahoma <laughs> bow hunter. Uh, several months back. <laughs> and uh take a little screenshot i do that kind of throughout the season and uh just every once in a while i scroll through my phone and find those old, old screenshots and and came across yours and so uh hit you up and you said you were willing to come on and so that's how this came about and uh you know just talking to you a little bit before we started recording uh it sounds like we have a lot to talk about and so i'm very very excited about that so so uh yeah let's let's start off with some whitetails you know this is oklahoma most of the people in this state are are going to be whitetail hunters Mm -hmm. and so let's just talk a little bit about you know i mentioned to you too i love talking to people from other parts of the state right um and so you know for me like i'm i'm in timber country pretty much we have a cattle farm um but for the most part this area is timber and so for me summer scouting is pretty much just trail cameras like Mm -hmm. i don't have a a big hill I can sit up on and watch a big wheat field or anything like that. Yep. But tell me about uh, your situation. Like, what do you do for, in the summer for your scouting?
1: So, for me, uh, I'm down here in southwest Oklahoma, and it's super flat. Uh, I do – we do have some mountains a few miles from us, the Wichita Mountains. Uh, we're on the, the north side of them. But uh, it's mostly just agricultural ground and, and mesquite patches, uh, super flat. So in the summers it's pretty easy just to drive the roads when you know this time of the year and check out the the milo fields really right now and uh there's a few cornfields around here right now but it's hard to see in them um, but mostly right now I just drive around in the summer and see what kind of bachelor group bucks I can find and and uh, I'm about to start putting some cameras out running a little bit behind what I usually do but I got a few places cleared to throw out some cameras here in the next few days but mostly just driving around this time of the year late in the evenings.
0: Well that man that's awesome um when you're running your cameras are you do you do more just trails are you throwing corn out there I, I assume where you are water's probably very important do you run cameras over water?
1: Yeah you can yeah when it's this hot and there's there's a few places I have that have just you know one pond on them that is a pretty popular spot but Mm -hmm. mostly just over corn piles is what i do yeah but but, uh these places that i've hunted i i've hunted for well since i was younger so i'm pretty dialed in on you know what where what time of the year to run what spots and it's uh mostly over corn though yeah
0: have you ever this is like kind of like i said a different world for me even though i've hunted some big places and stuff um like I don't think I've ever, you know, glassed up a buck in velvet and then killed him that fall. Like I, you know, I've I've gotten pictures of bucks, but usually I'm killing them, you know, way far away from where I see them during the summer. Oh, really? Have you ever? Yeah. Like, um, usually our bucks shift quite a bit. Is that different out there? Like, have you, no. you know, glassed a buck in velvet and killed him pretty close to there?
1: I've always wherever I see these bucks right now is where, you know, they'll be first part of hunting season for sure well and yeah, yeah. most and then but you know though mm-hmm. during november you know they'll move around but they always come right mm-hmm. back to where i see them right now so no it's it's always kind of where you see them right now is where they'll be during hunting season comes around yeah that's that's weird yeah
0: no, i'm I'm jealous actually uh you know one thing is kind of cool i got to learn uh we we sold this place uh i don't know it's been four four years ago now i think but Uh, we had a piece that was pretty long and skinny and Mm -hmm. it just so happened it ran north and south and it just so happened that it had a creek that basically ran down each side one on the east and Mm -hmm. one on the west and you know we we had like a mile of each one of those creeks and i had this one feeder on the north end and during the summer i'd get a picture of tons and tons of different bucks on this one feeder and then right about the end of september early october it's like those bucks just picked a creek and went south, and then that's where I would hunt them. I, you know, I was hunting them like three quarters of a mile from where I had them all summer. Really? And so you know, it was cool because our, our place was big enough that I could kind of watch them do that shift. Uh, but yeah, I'd, they'd always go about you know half to three quarters of a mile, and then that's where their fall range was.
1: Hmm. So, that's weird. Yeah. yeah, I mean right right around here, I've I've always noticed that right where. Now you're you see them this part of the year and start getting truck camera pictures of them. That's where you're, if you're going to kill them, that's where it's going to be mostly.
0: Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So let me ask you this: uh, You mentioned you're kind of in flat, you know, mesquite country. Mm-hmm. Do you do much ground hunting, or do you, you know, have, like I'm assuming you don't have many tree stand setups? And that's something that I struggle. No, I with. have
1: zero okay. zero tree stands. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I definitely there's uh want...
1: I've tried to find some big mesquite trees, but you're then you're only six feet off right. the ground and i'm a big guy and I stick <laughs> out like a sore thumb so gotcha. it don't work work real well but yeah I've, here in the last few years i've started doing more uh mostly during the rut went over a decoy having a having a mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. ultimate predator decoy on my bow and trying some lockdown setups like that my buddy uh brandon uh he started doing that and i saw him have some success and it's it's pretty cool to try that out but but uh, mostly just out of ground blind and uh, on trails or over corn is what I usually do.
0: Man, that the whole decoy thing again, being kind of where I've always hunted, that's just something I've never really got to experience. Um, I, I'll admit, I was, I started watching you know Whitetail Adrenaline a few years ago and got all amped up and went and bought a decoy and, and I usually pull it out you know two or three times a year. But um, usually where I am, it's just so. It's such close quarters that I just yeah. feel like it's not super effective. Right. Um, but uh, man, that's so. Do you use? You said you have one that uh, attaches to your bow. Do you use? Have you ever used one that you like set out in the field? Or you yeah, just, just have, run with one Yeah, I have both the of them.
1: Usually, okay. What the last couple of years? What um, I've seen, uh, my buddy do, and that have seen success from him. He'll have a you know a buck out in the field, and then mm. he'll set up you know at the, in a cedar tree with a doe decoy on his bow. And it looks like, you know, a doe bedded down with a, with a buck out there, just watching it. And uh, he'll start doing some rattling and calling. And he killed a a really nice buck here, oh, it was last year, I believe. That uh, he was just sitting out in the open. He wasn't even a cedar tree and had that on his bow and that decoy out and it came all bristled up and ready to fight and he shot it like 15 yards. and. Just a stud mature deer, and it was that's kind of what opened my eyes to it. And it's just really cool whenever they come in ready to fight like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah it's for sure. I've seen it happen uh, several times, and it's started to pique my interest. And next year, I'm definitely going to try it more.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, this year, <laughs> my regular listeners are probably sick of me talking about it, but I drew a unit five Iowa tag this year. Mm-hmm. So this will mm-hmm. be my first time headed up to Iowa. And uh, I have thought long and hard about getting one of those decoys. Um, and, you know, it's, it'll still be fairly timbered, I guess, where I'm going. But obviously, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of ag also. Um, but I don't know. And you're a great pe- person to ask. I think you know. If, I, I'm still kind of working on the dates, but I'm probably going to be there that first week in November, most mm-hmm. likely. So if it's kind of you know right at almost peak rut, do you think the decoy would still be good then, or is it more of a pre rut thing?
1: I think it's it's good throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. really uh you're just hoping to find a buck that is looking for one and and uh you know sees that that buck out there that's locked down and easy to go try to fight him for, for that doe but uh my buddy brandon he does it all throughout november and has mm-hmm. had luck the whole the whole month so yeah but i uh, i would assume it's the same up in iowa i, I went to uh, kansas a couple of years ago and took the decoy and it would have been late October, I believe, and uh, I decoyed in a really nice ten point. They ended up getting downwind before, right before he got in range. But he he was coming in bristled up, and and uh, it was later October, I believe. And it was it worked good in Kansas too. So I'm a, I go back in Kansas this next year and gonna nice. hopefully try it again.
0: Nice, nice. Yep. I- I'm hoping to be up there next year as well. I've, I've actually I've had a Kansas point for like four years now. Really? Uh, it, it was actually about to expire. And so this year, so that, that didn't happen, I bought another point. So I actually have two Kansas points. I don't know if that's a thing or not. Um, but this year I already had so many trips planned, and it seems like every year I, you know, I'm you going out west to Elkhun or – uh, you know, this year because I drew Iowa, that's pretty much taking up all my spare vacation time because yep. I want to really dedicate to that hunt. But oh yeah, uh, I'm thinking next year Kansas might be on the books, and so
1: yeah, I, I didn't get drawn out last year, and I have just got a point, and mm-hmm. this year I got drawn out. So hopefully, I can get one on the ground.
0: Nice, nice, very cool. All right, do uh, do you have very much luck late season? Out there, or are you more of a rut guy? Uh,
1: honestly, I early season and late season are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of hate the rut, honestly, <laughs> just because <laughs> all them bucks just go crazy and uh-huh. you know get killed by neighbors. But uh, no, I've always seemed more dialed in on the early season and late season. Once you know they get on feeding patterns, yeah. uh, they're just a lot more predictable. But mm-hmm. obviously, the rut's fun, and you know. Mm-hmm you see really cool things but uh no I, I love late season once it you know they get rained down and start hitting the food again they mm-hmm. just get a lot more predictable
0: yeah yeah i this sounds crazy to a lot of people but i've killed more mature bucks in january than i have in november um i i absolutely love the late season um yeah i do too yeah I've, I've had pretty good luck uh the last couple of years during muzzleloader season. Um but uh, I, I, you know, I'm typically saving. Like usually, I'll kill one buck with either a muzzleloader or a rifle, and I'm usually mm-hmm. saving my other tag to to archery hunt because I do a lot more bow hunting and, um, yeah. and so, uh, so yeah, I I love the last two years I've killed a buck December 28th, same day, same stand yep. actually, yep. um, and I've killed several on the first, fourth, eighth, you name it. So yep,
1: yeah, um, I just love the, the late season nasty weather cold front snow yeah just always get some mature bucks yeah. on their feet yeah
0: do y'all have, i assume y'all have a decent amount of ag ground or, around you is that what you're focusing yeah, we on get, we have season? a lot of
1: a lot of yeah yeah just transition points from bed to mm-hmm. to a f- food and it's just pretty simple that time of the year it seems like mm-hmm. and they're all kind of where where they are is where they're going to stay for the rest of the hunting season and and uh and also like it just cuz you know what survived you get you get out there at that time of year when most people are kind of done around here at least are kind of done hunting there's not a whole lot of boat hunters around here so mm-hmm. and it sometimes it's hard for me to want to kill one you know December or January just because I know they made it through the the <laughs> tough part already and unless it's just a you know one that I've had on my radar the whole time it's sometimes hard to kill one just cuz I know it survived the hardest part and I want to see it the next year right right but no, I love late season hunting.
0: Yeah, uh I, I'm going to assume y'all probably have a pretty high deer density over there. Yeah, we've got right a lot out. of deer. yes, yeah. yeah, sir. How do, how does that play into late season? Because that's one thing that I I almost kind of like where I'm at. We we really, especially the place I hunt now, we really don't have a very high di- uh, deer density. Like I I'm in smack dab in the middle of cattle country um right. so lots of cattle farms you know there's still some scattered timber chunks and everything we still get some good deer but but we really don't have that many that many deer yeah and so i feel like it kind of works as an advantage to me uh in the late season but uh you know i just i just picture a southwestern oklahoma wheat field in you know december january and mm-hmm. you, you may see 50 to 75 deer yeah does that, that make, definitely
1: does yeah, that make things more challenging is. yeah it can uh i mean it, obviously there's more eyes and more ears and more noses on you but um i mean it's it is what it is and i mean i don't know if it's more challenging or not but there are a bunch of deer that time of the year they all kind of consolidate in the the food sources and there are some big groups but i think you know if you were hunting them on a you know one field and just set up on the field yeah it'd be a lot harder but if you're trying to catch them between and on on trails and stuff you know you don't have them in front of you the whole time mm-hmm. yeah but yeah there are a lot of deer here
0: yeah i got a, a, a random question so a, again you know my family we we ranch and so i'm i'm used to dealing with cattle and i've had so <laughs> many people message me about how to deal with cattle and you know feeders and food pots and all that stuff but i don't know if i've ever had somebody on who raises sheep and so <laughs> i want to I ask from your perspective because i feel like sheep uh, they compete more for resources than cattle do. Like, you know, cattle yeah. are more grass, whereas deer are eating more, you know, shrubs and bushes. But I feel like sheep, that's what they eat also. So talk well, about kind of the relationship there.
1: Yeah. Uh, luckily, all our sheep are, you know, here on the on the farm in the same mm-hmm. quarter, and, you know, running in smaller grass patches. And, and uh, I don't have to compete with them out in the, any gotcha. of the hunting places that I am. I do have to compete with cattle a little bit, but... Mm-hmm uh you know we don't have to compete with any sheep but i would I, it probably would be harder uh having to hunt around sheep i don't i don't know if i ever have around yeah. any kind of commercial sheep or anything yeah but i hate hunting around cattle i know that <laughs> i hate having to f- fence stuff off and yeah if i hunt around if i have a spot with cattle i usually just rifle hunt it and i don't even try setting mm-hmm. up for bow hunting on it usually
0: yeah yeah, it's uh, it's a blessing and a curse. I tell people that all yeah. the time because you know, most likely we wouldn't have the land if we weren't mm-hmm. no, using yeah. for the cattle. And my yep. dad and my brother, they don't really hunt. My brother hunts a little bit. Uh, my dad doesn't hunt at all. And so, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough that. One, I don't have to compete with them, but two, we do need land for the ranch and so yep. oh, yeah. uh but I, I yeah, I've always had to battle cattle because again, it doesn't really bother them if the cows get into the timber or into the yep. food plots, but it's not really any skin off their back and right. so I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. definitely used to that battle. So
1: yep.
0: awesome. Yep. Well, cool man. Um I'm trying to decide if I wanna move on or uh ask you any more whitetail questions um you mentioned that you do some oklahoma elk hunting and so i definitely definitely want to cover that um any other deer topics before we move off of
1: it oh not that i can think of um i had my best deer. no it been probably the post i don't know what post you saw was it a really tall time uh,
0: i believe so deer? Yeah.
1: yeah that i think that was from two years ago and I killed the buck that I was after for four years, and then later on in November killed a just another freak, and killed elk that year also. So that was definitely my my uh, season of a lifetime. It's yeah. Going to be hard to beat that. But <laughs> killed 350 inches worth of deer and an elk on the same year. <laughs> it's going to be tough to beat that. But that was a uh, that was a fun season. But yeah, I, elk season is 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 always fun around here. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to hear about that deer real quick first because, uh, again, my listeners are probably sick of hearing me talk about him, but I have a deer that I've been after for this will be my fifth season knowing about him. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I passed him as a three-year-old five years ago, so he's now an eight-and-a-half-year-old. I had my first real encounter with him last year. I had him at 44 yards right at last light, and uh, Mm -hmm. I was in a, a box blind and an old water bottle cracked because it was getting cold Ah. and spooked him. And, uh, and yeah. And so the legend continues, but I I got a picture of him on July 14th. The only picture I've got of him this year, but so I know he's still alive. Uh, I, I know he lives on the neighbors, you know, he kind of comes on to us every now and again. And, uh, I, I I call him the two percent buck because every year I give myself about a two percent chance of killing him because he just I know I know he's there but he's not very killable, so so give us a little bit on that, that four year quest you just talked about and how it led up to you actually getting him killed.
1: Yeah, this is probably my well, the first, you know, long quest with the deer and uh it just got <laughs> obsessive and you know, I we got pictures of him. Uh, he was a three and a half year old deer. Well, what we assumed was three and a half year old deer just by his body and his head, but his rack was just, you know, crazy for a three and a half year old deer. He's probably a uh, one sixty deer when he was three and a half years old, just super tall kind, not very narrow but heavy and and uh, you know, we were trying to decide if we wanted to hunt him or not and uh which it didn't matter if we wanted to or not, he just he was a ghost mm-hmm. and we had zero opportunities to ever see him in person. And uh he would summer here and, and uh For the first three years of his life or first three years that i hunted him he right right before season he uh, would kind of disappear and it was like every two weeks he would show up on camera one one night and be gone for you know 10 days or two weeks and show up again and i think for the the four years or the yeah the four years that i had him on camera and was hunting him i had him daylight on camera i think four times and uh, i saw him once in person that was the second year after season he ran across the road in front of me and uh other than that not until two years ago whenever I I killed him I uh I kind of just made my mind up you know the first three years of hunting him I was you know super careful picking you know when I wanted to hunt him everything had to be perfect and uh this that year that I killed him he had started staying around a little bit longer on camera you know closer to season and I decided that if the wind was decent I was gonna hunt and i uh I think I hunted I killed him on October thirteenth and I hunted him. that was the seventh hunt, so I hunted pretty much you know every south wind I could get that first two weeks of season and uh he he wasn't on camera for those two weeks and finally showed up the thirteenth about five o'clock, just out of nowhere uh if he did show up on daylight, it was you know fifteen minutes left of light, mm-hmm. usually in the first you know, the first three times he showed up on camera, but this time my buddy and I had just been set up. He was filming me, and we had been there for about 20 minutes and just done with our uh, opening interviews and stuff, and I look up, here comes a doe, and then here comes a buck that, uh, if if he was with another buck, it was this buck, so it was a good sign, and then right after I told my buddy that that was a good sign that he's coming, I look behind him, and here comes this tall, kind deer, and it, it was just a weird feeling seeing him coming in, and just have obsessed over that deer and thought about him so much just to see him in the daylight walking towards you is a weird feeling but made a you know pretty good shot on him and got him recovered and it was just a you know one of those that I hope I want everybody to you know get to experience that kind of relationship with a deer and you know it just kind of almost sucks to to close the story on it but it was a you know fun four years of chasing after him and just a ghost that you never saw and always thought about
0: mm-hmm. man
1: that, but that, it was always fun that first that first picture you got yeah. of him of the year to, <laughs> to see that he survived and uh you know that it makes you want another relationship with a deer like that you know to to uh you know just to like playing chess with them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was a fun deal
0: Man, that sounds so much like like the story I have with this deer. I, I hope mine ends the same way. Uh, I was able to chase a deer for multiple years one time. Uh, I want to say... I want to say I saw him for the first time or he was like three or four. I ended up killing him at like eight and a half, but, but he was like, about 120 inch deer. Uh, you yeah. know, he wasn't a big deer. It is like, and part of the reason he lived so long is because I wasn't really hunting him. You know, if he would have came right. by earlier, I probably yeah. would have shot him. But yeah. that last year I did, I, I didn't have much else. Um, and uh, so I did actually hunt him and got him killed that last year. Uh, yeah. But I, I learned a ton from it. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, anytime you can have a relationship like that with a deer yeah. is, is really really cool so and it,
1: i mean just from from when he was young he just acted you know he was never a young deer he it was always just a super smart deer that it was just crazy i mean i've never yeah. been her, hunted a deer that was like that and uh mm-hmm. it's just fun you learn a lot from them and and uh, it's just so much more rewarding to you know harvest a deer like that yeah. and it helps that you know if they're big but um <laughs> you know if, I'd much rather kill a 120-inch eight-year-old deer than a 160-inch four-and-a-half-year-old deer. Yeah. But, yeah, it was definitely a, a fun, fun hunt.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's one thing I'm still trying to kind of figure out with this buck. I, I can't figure out if he's just that smart or if we're just that much on his outer range, you know. And
1: I think that was, you know, part of it. We were definitely on his outer range because I had a buddy that was a mile away that he was also kind of having a— a few encounters with him more encounters than me actually mm-hmm. and uh but i think we were just out on his outer range where he would come and hang out on us for a little bit mm-hmm. and uh he just started getting a little more comfortable and more comfortable you know later into the into the season so i think that was part of it just being on his outside of his range but he definitely didn't daylight ever <laughs> <laughs> and whenever he was on on a night camera you can tell that he just didn't want to be there yeah. he uh always seemed on alert and mm-hmm. Just acted different than any of the other bucks I've ever hunted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, you teased us a little with the, the elk, and so I want to make sure we can get there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about Oklahoma elk hunting. I think, uh, I want to say this is going to be episode 137, somewhere in there. And out of all those, I think I've only done two elk episodes because it's just. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's just a, you know, kind of a rare thing. Um, yeah. You know, I've been putting in for the the draw hunts just like everybody else in the state and never drawn it. Mm -hmm. um, So, yeah, I definitely want to touch on that. So for somebody who's, you know, blessed enough to get to hunt them on a fairly regular basis, uh, just talk a Mm -hmm. little bit about them, you know, what you've learned from them. Um, Feel free to tell us, uh, you know, a hunt or some some kind of story and just everything you can tell us, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I'm very fortunate to have uh, some family that has a, a centennial farm down in the mountains that, uh their parents, you know, were raised on and and uh I just I've been able to hunt it for oh, the last 10 years or so and um I think I've killed I think five bulls off of it so far. But it's it's a half section, butts up to a, a mountain and has part of a a draw that comes onto it that is a real hot spot for elk and and uh I think I killed my first one in 2014, I think, with a rifle, and I've killed, uh, the last two I've killed have been with my bow, but it's uh, definitely a blast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, well, I think I've killed three with my bow, but um, last year was my biggest with my bow. I, uh, Me and my buddy, are, we elk hunting, we take turns. Um, I think I got the first first day and he got the second day and well, then his he was supposed to have the third day but his kid got sick and so I got to go out and, and that ended up being the best uh, day of calling and and got one killed but it's a it's, it's a whole different game than whitetail you know just being mobile and on your feet and and um, it's I've learned a lot about elk hunting and just um, just trying to get big thing i've learned is you know them bulls that are wanting to talk a little bit you know you're just trying to get in their bubble to where they you know they'll hang up and talk to you all all day but you know unless you're you know moving to to them sometimes and you know get to where they're you're a little closer than they want you to be and that that kind of seems to what has made the last few that i've called in you know commit finally getting closer to them and moving to them but it's a it's a different kind of rush and uh two years ago i I killed one with the bow we caught in and it was like six yards on the other side of a bush from me and uh, just stood there for a couple minutes and I was finally able to, I took a couple steps and squeezed one, squeezed an arrow through a little hole in the bush and it was 10 yards at most, but it's it's crazy, you know, having one 15, 20 yards away from you bugling, mm-hmm. It's it'll shake you. Yeah. Now- It's
0: a cool experience. I've I've done a a decent amount of Western uh, elk hunting. Like I went to school in Idaho and everything. And um, the the weeks everybody really wanted to be there was like the second to third week of September. That's kind of when everybody thought was Mm -hmm. the peak and they were the loudest and stuff. But uh, correct me Mm -hmm. if I'm wrong. Oklahoma, the archery season doesn't open till October, right?
1: Yeah, we're in the special southwest zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no quota for us, and uh, we have a a short season. I think the rest of the zones, maybe one other one is different, but I think the rest of them are just like deer season, October 1 Mm -hmm. through January 15th maybe. But ours this year, I think, starts October 7th in our zone. And uh, you have five days of bow season, and then rifle season opens up for four days. So October 7th through 15th, I guess it would be maybe Mm – this year, gotcha. and uh, you know, you're. It always seems in the past that you're catching the, you know, the tail end of the rut for them, and you know, after after uh, you know a few days of all the hunters out there calling, it kind of gets tough and they get quiet. But hopefully, you know, those first two days they're really talkative and and uh, real responsive. But yeah, I, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's, ba- it's they got moved back just a few days this year, mm-hmm. I think, and. It's, so, hopefully, that doesn't hurt us too bad. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, that's. A, I was curious. Uh, like I said, I just wasn't sure if they were kind of shutting up by then or, you know, maybe because nobody hunted them in September that they're still being pretty vocal. So, do you, uh, because I feel like pressure is probably a little less, do you feel like they're not necessarily easy to hunt, but easier than maybe going to like an OTC unit in Colorado or Idaho or something like that?
1: Uh I'm sure it is easier, yeah, with a lot less pressure. Because I can tell, you know, once the hunters are out there for a few days, they definitely act differently. So I I can't imagine, you know, having everybody and their dog out on public land chasing (laughs) them, how how different they act. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a I have a buddy that hunts, you know, right across the fence from me. And luckily we have a good relationship and are able to, you know, kind of avoid each other a little bit and kind of help each other out on not – you know being on top of each other mm-hmm. and it helps out quite a bit but uh but yeah i can definitely tell a difference you know three four days into the season you know how the elk have heard some mm-hmm. not so good calling and yeah. <laughs> and uh they are a little bit hesitant but yeah. usually those first two days uh, there's been some really fun hunts where you know you call in five or six bulls into your lap and it's it's uh it's definitely my favorite <laughs> probably my favorite week of the year for hunting yeah
0: yeah, I can't imagine there's too many uh, world championship elk callers from Oklahoma, so I'm no, sure they, I'm, I'm sure not, they hear some interesting of, things. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I do a lot of coyote calling, and I just use one of my mouthpiece or my my uh, mouth calls, mm-hmm. and uh, just try to halfway sound like a a cow. Yeah. If you want me to bugle, then you're going to have to find somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do much bugle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, You know,
0: again, I feel like you're kind of you know living a lot of people's dreams that have grown up here and get to hunt you know fairly often and stuff. Have y'all kind of reached a point to where you're like managing that land a little bit, or is it still kind of like first bull you see, kill it? Uh, or y'all trying to like? Have you gotten to where you? No, we we we,
1: we're all about yeah yeah we're all about management, especially on Mm -hmm. whitetail and getting to more. You know, since me and my buddy have killed a couple bulls, uh, we're definitely you know, we're not shooting the first legal bull or you know, really even the first decent bull. You know, we're trying to you know, I I don't think he killed one last year, I didn't kill one the year before, so you know, we'll we'll go a year without killing you know, a bull, not just killing yes. one to kill one. You know, we we're we have some good neighbors that are, you know, passing on the younger mm-hmm. bulls and, you know, taking some cold bulls, so it's uh definitely trying to manage them a little bit, you know, just hunting the mature ones just like you wouldn't white tail. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: What is a legal bull in Oklahoma?
1: Uh, they have to have five on one side, I believe. Gotcha. Okay. Or, well, for our zone at least, I think. I don't know about the other zones. Yeah. One side has to have five points. Yeah. Gotcha. But
0: do y'all? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like maybe no. Do y'all ever do any? Just kind of like basically white to hunting for elk like do you have any like tree stands set up or blinds or anything like that or are y'all trying to really just you know call them in like you would out west
1: during that first season it's just kind of out west hunting you know just boots on the ground you know calling um and then there's a season in december same thing five days of archery and five four days of rifle mm-hmm. and uh if you're lucky enough if we're lucky enough to have them on us, still they're mm-hmm. kind of hitting, you know, ag fields by then. And there's not one close, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can kind of hunt them like you would deer, you know, over corner, the alfalfa. Uh, but most part, it's just on the on the ground calling them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, that's uh, like I said, very very jealous. <laughs> just like I'm sure a lot of oh, people yeah, are. Oh yeah, I, I it, know how lucky I am. Yeah, 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 I'm sure you do. And you know, one cool thing is, it seems like you're hearing more and more stories of elk popping up here, elk popping up here and growing oh, yeah. populations. Yeah, for and, sure. um, I had a guy on who was fortunate enough to draw, you know, one of the tags out there. Um, I think that was last December, maybe December four last. And uh, he was just talking about how, like I said, you know, it wasn't necessarily easy, but he just said, you know, you see so many elk. Um, and so that is very mm-hmm. encouraging to hear and, Uh, you know, hopefully there'll be more opportunities popping up for everybody else soon, so.
1: Yeah, they definitely are moving, you know, their range is getting bigger. We, uh, about three years ago, we started having a batch of a group of bulls here by the house, and we're about five miles from the mountains, and uh, once we were planting milo, they'd hang out in Mesquite and eat milo (laughs) all summer, but, uh, you know, that's, and uh, they're just still moving north and further north than uh, they have ever, and every year you'll see them somewhere different than you, than you ever have so yeah it's exciting to see you know here in 10 years what what the elk will be doing and where they'll be
0: absolutely i hope some of them stray into my part of the world (laughs) probably not down in the cattle country where i'm at though (laughs) Uh, well cool man well you mentioned also that you are part of the the my world outdoors team uh why don't you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah so 2017 i think it is uh well I didn't know him at the time but Brandon Adams he was with Major League Bowhunter at the time uh, he was their producer he uh, was doing his own kind of personal project He was did this uh, series called Slammed and it was uh, he hunted all five big game animals in Oklahoma with his bow in one year or was trying to kill all five of them in one year and uh, he, couldn't, he had an elk property lined up it fell through and then he was just having a really hard time finding an elk property to, to kill the elk. But uh, he got a, through friends of friends, he got a hold of me, and, and uh, I was able to put on, put him on an elk down here, and we grew a relationship, uh, friendship through that. And, and then after a year or two, he, he left uh, Major League Boat Hunters and started his own thing with a buddy, with my world. And uh, they were on just kind of social platforms for a couple years, and and then once they started doing uh, the Sportsman Channel, he asked me if I wanted to join the team kind of as a field staff or whatever you want to call them, and uh, film all my hunts for them, and, and that's where it went. I've, we're on the second season of being on the Sportsman Channel, and we're about to kick things off, and so... The filming stuff is a whole different world. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I uh, I like a lot of young men. Thought I was going to be a television star when I was younger, and did a decent amount <laughs> of filming. And uh, I, I, I think I've told the story before on here, but I uh, I finally got a, a, a bow kill on film. Shot this buck perfectly centered in the frame. You know, self filming, just beautiful footage. Uh, but when I was filming the recovery a stick caught the cord where my microphone plugged into the camera and pulled it like just part of the way out not all the way but part of the Mm -hmm. way to where it was no longer recording with the camera audio or the microphone oh yeah and uh of course i was all excited and jazzed up and so i got you know i filmed my little interview with the deer and everything (laughs) and Uh, and it was hot that day, and so I put the camera down and you know went ahead and gutted him and cut him all up and everything, and then mm-hmm. I went to watch the footage and realized that I had no audio, <laughs> no audio for the is. past like three quarters yeah. of it, and that made me so mad that I, I still carry the camera every now and again, but yeah, uh, definitely realized the whole you know living on a prayer,
1: putting no, yeah. all
0: your eggs into the filming basket was not for me. So
1: yeah, I was I had started filming you know a couple years before I started filming for my world just kind of on my own filming mine and family hunts, you know, just mostly just the, the cool stuff, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the actual, the hunt and the kill wasn't doing a whole lot of interviews and stuff. But and once I started, you know, filming for my world, it's a whole different, whole different world. Having to yeah. worry about, you know, audio and making sure you're in focused and then framed and mm-hmm. all the interviews, all the checkpoints you have to hit. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's fun though, but yeah. it definitely adds a lot of pressure to the hunt and I do a lot of self filming. So, Mm-hmm. That makes it even harder, but it's a it's a challenge and it's fun. I enjoy yeah. it. Lots of lots of opportunities from, you know, getting to meet new people and go to different places and hunt different areas, so it's been mm-hmm. a cool experience for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you when you're doing your filming, do you use any kind of bow mounted camera or is the footage just too shaky and everything to use?
1: Uh, last year I got uh i think it was tacticam mm-hmm. uh and i had a, a stabilizer mount but uh i've usually if i run something on my bow it's just a gopro that's facing me for mm-hmm. my you know reactions and stuff i don't really care for uh, the you know outward facing you yes. know views and stuff they never really seem to turn down they usually just have my big camera you know mm-hmm. out on the deer and then have several gopros and stuff you know of different angles and from behind and stuff it's I don't know It's i have never really cared for the the mounted yeah. cameras on my boat, yeah,
0: I have like the old, old original tacticam, mm-hmm. and uh yeah, just from my experience, I've filmed you know shooting a couple of hogs and maybe two deer or something like that and you know just when you when you shoot your bow just the vibration and a lot of times you kind of drop in your bow and everything drop your bow yep you know usually like the main reason i've done is just to see where i hit and usually you can Mm -hmm. accomplish that you know so just so you know for the recovery purposes but as far as usable footage i just feel like it's it's just not great especially if you're trying to go you know full tv quality so
1: yeah i'll throw one on my bow whenever i'm elk hunting just to have another one mm -hmm. for backup uh and last year ended up using, getting, able, being able to use, you know, part of that bow footage. But, um, yeah, it's there's a few places where you can use them, but I've never had much luck with them. Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Well, cool, man. Well, we got started a little bit of late because of my fault, so I don't want to keep you too long um but uh real quick before we let you go uh, i want to give you a chance to kind of just shout out anything you want to shout out whether it be you know your tv stuff instagram whatever you want to do where you know if people hear this and want to come find you where should they go
1: uh i'm pretty easy to find on instagram if you know i think it's under trevor johnson uh maybe trevor t johnson is my handle name but um if you want to look up My World Outdoors, we're on you know all social platforms, and we're on the Sportsman Channel. Uh, just had our first couple episodes this year, starting up, and we've got a, a really good year of content coming coming out. And uh, Brandon, one of the owners, my buddy, he uh, he did the Texas Slam last year, so he's coming out with you know another slammed uh, series on Texas. And uh, but really, just the My World thing, it's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and if you want to check it out, look us up.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, Trevor, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having super me. Super educational. Yep. And so <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, it's it's always like I said, it's always fun to hear to uh somebody from a different part of the state. And so I appreciate you coming on and we'll talk to you later.
1: I appreciate it, John
0: there it is folks thank you Trevor for coming on another great episode and and thank you guys for sticking with me through the late spring and summer I know things can kind of get a little dry you're not really focused on hunting but believe it or not like I keep saying hunting is just right around the corner so I already have a few awesome guests lined up for the next couple weeks and then after that like we're going to be jumping straight into the season. So whether you're a deer hunter, a bear hunter, a elk hunter, a duck hunter, a varmint hunter, hog hunter, whatever it might be, we're going to have that content coming up right around the corner before you know it. So stick with me. We've almost made it through the doldrums of summer and things are going to be start uh sorry, things are going to start picking up very very quickly so another huge shout out to all you guys thank you for all you do thank you for all the support and we will see you right back here next week on the oklahoma outdoors podcast have the right to the best wireless service bravado wireless provides the best mobile wireless high-speed internet latest devices and customer service at prices you feel good about bravado wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available see what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern oklahoma let bravado wireless connect you to your family friends and business partners all over the world Bravado Wireless, the power of connection.